This episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by the Ma E Theater Company of New York and their newest production of Once Upon a Korean Time, written by Daniel K. Isaac. Now, we here at Good Pop are big fans of all sorts of pop culture, uh, books, TV, movies, uh, and that also includes theater. Uh, the Ma E Theater Company is a professional, award winning nonprofit 501c3 organization founded in 1989, whose primary mission is to develop and produce new and innovative plays by Asian American writers. Since its founding, Ma E has distinguished itself as one of the country's leading incubators of new works, shaping local and national conversations about what it means to be Asian American today. Day. Their latest play, Once Upon a Korean Time, mixes traditional Korean fables with the horrors of the Korean War. Daniel K. Isaac's epic new play is a funny and deeply moving analog for the experiences of the Korean American diaspora. Isaac deftly moves his characters through time, tracing the legacies of trauma that are passed on from one generation to the next, and the various coping mechanisms each one uses to soldier on. The show promises sea kings, bubbles, tigers, generational traumas, and of course, barbecue. Previews begin on August 23rd at La Mama's Ellen Stewart Theater in New York City, and the show will have a limited run through September 18th. So if you are lucky enough to be in the New York area, or if you're planning to take a trip out there over the next month, um, definitely check it out. Um, tickets are available now at maitheater.org. Um, that's M-A-Y-I-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. And now, the show. And what is poppin'? You're listening to episode 120 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yuet, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Returning from yet another trip. Where did she go this time? I'm not allowed to discuss, but um, I had a good time. Beep! Um, yes, but it was a good time. I'm back, hopefully for the time, for a longer time being. I'm so tired, guys. I'm so tired. <laughs> I mean, this is very privileged for me to complain, but I'm very tired. <laughs> it is our formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just you. Hello. She's <laughs> back? For I mean, planned. Planned to be back. And also professional culture editor, Han Nguyen. We have the whole crew today. Yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty cool. Well, the last time you were back, Jess, my uh, your my cat sabotaged out. you. She literally knocked a glass of water on my computer, so I'm actually using my backup right now. Yeah, it's been quite an adventure trying to figure out solutions to Hans' um, computer predicament, but uh, we figured it out. So now we are back together again um, to talk about Kevin. the latest Netflix comedy special. Sheng Wang, um, juicy and sweet, sweet and juicy, sweet and juicy, baby, sweet and juicy, which is the latest uh, Asian American comedy special on Netflix that has been. I mean, has it been taking the internet by storm? I think people, everyone who's watched it has liked it, but um, yeah, I don't think I've heard that much buzz about it. But I did immediately share it with my brothers for reasons that I'll discuss <laughs> later. Uh, but Cheng Wei has long been a favorite of all of us. Um, if you've ever been to an Ali Wong show, he's always the opener. Um, he's been in the game for at least a good two decades. And so to yeah. see him get his Netflix um, shine is a big deal. So uh, we'll be talking about his special um, after the break. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through this week. Uh, Jess, since you're back, what's popping? So again, you know, I've been traveling for like a million years. I missed like everything that came out because Netflix around the world is different. They don't always have everything. So I didn't realize the entirety of season four of what we do in the shadows has already like premiered. Mm -hmm. Like they had a series, <laughs> a premiere and a, a, a series premiere and a finale when I was gone. I'm like, what the fuck? I love this show. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite show currently on air right now. Um, and it is continues to be weird and both the smartest thing and dumbest thing on TV. And especially this season, <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much because like the last season was wild, but um, there there involves a lot more child, child acting, mm -hmm. but like in a really weird, creepy way, as is with what we do in the shadows. And I can't tell if I love it or I hate it, <laughs> but it oh. is very funny. 
when you finish, we can talk. I've seen the whole okay. season, but yeah. okay, yeah, I'm like a few episodes in, um, but just that, just, just the whole like, like the gag of like they just keep finding a raccoon in random places in the house killed me. Them like continuing just like doing it while Nandor is trying to tell a story. Great, miss these guys, and I feel like the internet has discovered or rediscovered Matt Berry who plays mm-hmm. Laszlo. And his very, very awesome, amazing, wonderful, unique line readings. Um, maybe that's just my algorithm. But there is <laughs> the one where he goes, New York City. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that's the show. It's just him saying shit in interesting ways. Um, he emphasizes words in ways that no normal person would. And it's fantastic. So if you have not... If you're not caught up or you haven't started the show, highly recommend. It's again based. It's a show based off Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement's indie vampire comedy movie. It is very much in that weird sense of humor. Has amazing guest stars mm-hmm. and uh, just one of the funniest shows I think on TV right now. Yeah, I think I haven't caught up since I finished season two, so I'm excited. Oh God, you're two, two seasons, seasons behind. To watch. Oh my God, season two is fantastic that i think still my favorite mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's like because it's just like how can you get weirder and somehow the show finds a way to continually get stranger yeah i, I have to say this season there's a particular aspect about the children um storyline that i think would appeal to you jess but then there are also a few sort of one-off episodes that are bizarre late coming later on that like I was just like, I love the fact that I don't know what the hell is going on. So Which is great, right? It's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. highly recommend. Go check it out. Yeah. Oh, Jess, we do have a recommendation for you since you've been off yes. traveling. You should watch Fakes. We talked about last week, but you should okay. watch it. Yes, yes, sir. Watch watch Fakes on Netflix because sadly, I do not see it anywhere near the top 10. So I'm like, who's watching this? Nobody. But it's no, so good. You I- and Marvin. <laughs> Yes. And maybe maybe one person who listened to our podcast, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. All right, Han, what's popping with you? Um, so it's been a while. I, I put this on my uh, to watch list and then finally I started watching because my best friend started watching. It is uh, Extraordinary Attorney Wu, uh, a, a K-drama that is on Netflix right now. Um, and let's see. The it's well, it stars. Hold on, let me pull up the names to make sure I get them right. Uh, so it stars uh, Park Yu Jin or Yu Ben Park, sorry, Park, um, who was in um, The King's Affection that was also on Netflix. I started that one but didn't finish because I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for a period drama where everyone wears flappy sleeves. So I'm like, I put that aside. But this one is contemporary, and the way I see it is kind of like. Um, the good doctor, but with an attorney. Um, so uh, Wu is, uh, young Wu is, you know, a young, um, just past the bar and no one's hired her because she is autistic. Um, but suddenly she gets hired at this law firm. So it's all about like her using, um, using her skills, but also trying to like, get people to like understand her because the autism sometimes gets, you know, in the way. Um, and it's sort of a case of the week and it's very charming. Um, there's a very hot, well, everyone's hot, but there's a very hot guy, you know, in the law firm, um, who is very nice to her. So there's a very, very sweet, like, Oh my God, are they going to touch hands? Sort of like romantic storyline. Yeah. And so, I'm kind of always a little bit mixed about these types of things because even though I did enjoy The Good Doctor when it began, I I do feel weird about like an actor who who isn't autistic playing this role. Um, But I'm going to finish the series because the thing is, um, she's very, very good at her at what she's doing. And I think like even the love interest uh guy he's very a very good actor too and so i think they really sell it in ways that i i wasn't expecting 
Um, and it's also funny, too, because um, she's obsessed with uh, aquatic mammals. And so... Same she- girl. <laughs> so you you should check it out. Um, there are, of course, some cringy moments. And those are the things where I always wonder, it's like, is this because it's told through the lens of someone who's abled? Because is this show for abled people or is it show for you know to have autistic viewers and so I'm always kind of iffy about that but what I'm going to do is watch the full season first because I'm about halfway through and it's very very interesting because there are a few topics that I was kind of surprised that they dug into like um, the bias against North Korean defectors um, was one and then like the first episode there's like so much yelling because there was like abuse and stuff but when it comes to her storyline in particular it's very sweet um, there's a little bit of uh, scandalous drama somewhere in 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 her storyline too nothing to do directly with her really um, but I just really enjoy it she also loves um, kimbap that's like her main food um, which I adore that was something that yeah, you know, but you know, it, it that's just her thing, and um, so yeah, I I enjoy it. I also, I guess, I know enough autistic people that I mean, I've always been into neurodiversity, so um, I think it looks pretty good. I I'm very curious what other autistic people might think of the show, whether they think it's good or not. But I know in Korea they don't talk about it enough, and so that's why these shows are pretty important. Um, but yeah, it was like one of the top ranked shows when it was on. And honestly, it's been like number one on Netflix, um, for non-English speaking for several weeks now. So for me, I've been finding it as sort of like a treat for me at the end of the day. I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. And since I have to read subtitles, I can't do anything else. Um, (laughs) it's been, I don't know. It's been very charming. If, if anyone watches, I just want someone to talk to with me (laughs) about it because it's just so sweet. Like. Once it's over, I'm going to be like, I want more. Um, I can already tell. But anyway, so that's mine. Yeah, I feel like cringe is kind of like with teen YA uh, romance. It's part of the deal when you're going into Korean drama territory, right? Especially rom-com territory. Um, I was surprised to learn that this was more of a case of the week type mm-hmm. of show. And I think that makes sense. And, and, and it makes sense why it's been so popular. Because I feel like... So my uncle from Toronto was visiting for the past two weeks. And in those two weeks, he binged through literally 10 seasons of NCIS on Netflix. Oh my God. Do they not have that in Canada? <laughs> they do. But he just started watching it and just like said, well, you I'm already stop. watching it. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I get the appeal of like the case of the week with some personal stuff, right? It's like, it's just easy mm-hmm. watching. I mean, how procedural is it? Is it a procedural? Or is it more like... Um, it's not quite a procedural Um yeah, they do have ongoing plots and they're hmm. Here's the thing. Like it's 16 episodes and I feel by episode eight, like if someone didn't tell me it was 16 episode season, I would have said it was an eight episode season with a second eight episode season because the halfway mark is when things change. Um, But yeah, I would still call it. Well, it's not pre- it's hard for me to say whether or not it's procedural because halfway through things changed a little bit. But uh-huh. yeah, it is a okay. case of the week. And the earlier cases are actually kind of fun. Um, and, and it sounds like uh, it's ripped from the headlines, right? Type of stuff. Like here's yeah, social yeah. stuff that's happening in Korea that we want to address. Social stuff. But there's also like some really weird like... Uh, I don't know, like land ownership stuff. Every now and then you're just like, do I? Yeah. I was like, I got to really pay attention to he- figure out what they're talking about. And so, um, yeah, every now and then I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to like this episode. But then halfway through up by the, that time, like, you know, when she's she's presenting things in court and things like that. Um, but the, yeah, it's it's entertaining. And some some of the the plots or the cases I like better than others. For example, there's one where um, a rich couple gets married and while they're walking and it's in a hotel and while they're walking down sort of like a, a dais um, after and waving at every one of their guests, uh, the the bride's dress falls down. Um, 
and it's a strapless dress <laughs> and she has no bra on. So anyway, there are just like some oddball sort of cases like that. And then they turn into something else. But Wait, so tell me more. What is the case about? Are they suing the dressmaker or is it like a- suing the hotel because the hotel was a one stop shop for the wedding. And so they provided not only the venue and, and food, but they provided the dress. Um, so there is that and yeah and that's like i think the second episode um also <laughs> what i like about it is because this was a a weekly show in korea we get to see the scenes from next time at the end of the the previous episode and also i i miss that sort of shit <laughs> so i haven't been watching enough uh broadcast tv i guess to for that so i like seeing the um the preview and getting a taste of that um each week um i don't know i just I just really enjoy it. Some of the so it, it gets a little more serious than you would expect it to be, and I, I honestly, because it was contemporary, I didn't know if it would be sort of like whitewash plots or not. Um, but I was kind of impressed with some of them, and other ones I was like, that was just weird. They could have gone deeper on that. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, it's I did. This is my first sort of like legal show for a Korean drama and I I double liked it you know that double thumbs up and now I'm getting only Korean dramas recommended to me on my Netflix <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many too yes yes so now I have to find another one because I've tasted a lot of them but I haven't kind of committed to to them um, as much as I have this one so. I do anyway. need someone to tell me if Little Women is worth watching oh that's probably my next one Women. that's my next one I mean <laughs> I I hear odd things about it and also there's it's like loosely I mean, based and it's like a murder mystery right 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 and it's way more updated that's a so, lot of things to do at I'm, once i'm, I'm just I'm saying fine but with that Be- yeah because you know what original off, that's cool yeah original live woman has been done to death and also has suck- some sucky aspects so <laughs> uh yeah. anyway so what me. can make it bit better murder <laughs> and Asians. murder mysteries make everything better yes <laughs> alright so that's me what about you Marvin what's popping yeah so um, what's popping is today so the day we're recording this was the day of the latest Nintendo Direct mm. which was a 40 minute marketing presentation that Nintendo does during the big video game events like this week is TGS which is Tokyo Game Show in Japan so obviously it's time for a lot of announcements and so as someone who owns a Switch, I was curious to see what's coming up. And they promote a ton of games, a ton of which I'm really excited for. A lot of tactical games like Front Mission, um, which are games that I really love that I'm excited to play again. But what caught my eye is in this 40-minute presentation, they promote four farming sims. I saw some <laughs> of them. They are all very similar. And they look like, you know, it's different when you have like, a real house and garden to take care of now. Like, <laughs> fuck, I gotta do this in real life. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't be lollygagging in a virtual life for f- <laughs> cleaning up my house, weeding. S- I gotta weed my shit here. You say that, but I can see you, like, like th- weeding investing another one hundred hours. Yeah, and starting you, one of these. I have. I have logged. I've. I'm scared. Like, I checked my Steam log for stardew valley and it was well over a hundred something hours i'm like yeah well i've logged 100 hours on both my steam version and my switch version of stardew valley so oh girl it's it's pretty bad um but yeah there's four farming sims i just wanted to present these to you just in case any of those catch your fancy thank you thank you so first up is a remake of the cult classic story of season it's a wonderful life and I know some of you are wondering, wait, I thought that was a Harvest Moon game. Um, and you would be correct. Um, I'm not going to go into the details, but Story of Seasons is a long-running Japanese farming sim game. Essentially, the series that originated the concept of the farming RPG that eventually spawned games like Stardew Valley. Um, and it was localized in the U.S. in the 90s under the title Harvest Moon. And because of licensing shenanigans, um, Natsume, the company that licensed the game, broke ties with Marvelous, the, the Japanese company. And so since a few years ago, Marvelous has been releasing 
the story of Seasons games in the U.S. as the original title, Story of Seasons. And that's how you end up with a remake of Harvest Moon, It's a Wonderful Life as Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life. But anyways, um, Story of Seasons, It's a Wonderful Life was originally released as a Nintendo GameCube game that was eventually ported over to the PS2 as well. Um, and it's probably known as one of the most robust Harvest Moon games of its era. Um, like most Harvest Moon games, you start off by taking over a rundown family farm. You build it back up by growing crops and selling them. While getting to know your neighbors and local townspeople, eventually, you know, you romance one of the eligible bachelorettes um, and start a family. And this is usually where most Harvest Moon games end is after you get married and have a child, um, you enter an endgame state where Things stop progressing. And so your child never grows up. Um, but in Harvest Moon, It's a Wonderful Life, there is an actual end game, like end credits for this game. And it's when your child grows up uh, and depending on how you raise them, decides what to do with their life. This is frightening. No. <laughs> so the PS2 update of It's a Wonderful Life um, included the option to play as a female main character, um, which was one of the first times in the series where you can play as um not a dude. And this update takes it one step further uh, by giving the option to play a male main character, a female main character, and a non-binary main character. Mm. Oh, that's Good. fun. Progress. Like yeah, progress. Good. Um, so yeah, I think out of all the farming sims presented, this is the most classic um, game that you can get. And one that and one that I'm actually pretty excited about because I never really got to play the original It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I didn't have a GameCube. And for some reason, I didn't pick up the PS2 version when it came out. But um, I think you might like this, Jess. Although I don't know how you feel about um, raising kids to adulthood <sighs> in a video game. I know. I feel like I've spent a lot of time and effort in my life to avoid doing that. So, And what if my... What if my baby just is like, I want to be a tax accountant or I want to be in finance. <laughs> I would be devastated. Like, if you're going to be in finance, at least be like commit fraud or do something cool, like fraudulently, like like fraud rich people or something. I don't know. Robin Hood, that shit. You're not seeing this big picture. If your child is a financial person, that means you're you're taking care of the rest of your life. That's a that's bad parenting. You can't expect your parent, your kids <laughs> to like take care of you. But we're Chinese. Uh, <laughs> nah, man, nah, I can't. Mm, mm. Uh, the second game that was announced is a game called Fae Farm, which looks like the most polished of the group. It is a farming sim in a fantasy magical world where you play as uh, what appears to be young magicians and witches um, growing magical crops. And the hook for this game is a co-op experience, um, kind of like Stardew Valley's co-op, where you and up to four friends play on the same farm at the same time and chaos ensues. So um, it looks pretty interesting and the art style seems pretty charming. Um, so I uh, want to keep an eye on. Uh, the third game is another remake, uh, a remake of Rune Factory 3, which is another fantasy-based farming sim. Rune Factory is actually a spinoff of the Harvest Moon uh, Story of Seasons uh, franchise and was one of the first games to combine a farming sim gameplay loop with an action RPG layer. Um, again, things that eventually led to um, things that eventually led to the design choices for Stardew Valley. Um, I think Room Factory 3 originally was a Nintendo DS game. And so this is a up version of that. Um, and I don't know much about this game. I didn't have a DS. So I didn't play the handheld Room Factory games, although I did play the ones that came out on console. Uh, but I think the gimmick here is you play a amnesiac farmer who can also turn himself into a sheep. So um, that seems fun. And finally, the last one that was... And, fin and finally, the last one that was... An, um, and finally, the last one that was teased is actually one that I'm. Uh, and finally, the last one that was teased is actually one that I'm really excited about. Um, it's called Harvestella, and it's basically a Final Fantasy farming sim. <laughs> yeah, I'm really um, interested to see what um, this combination can yield uh, because these are two aesthetics that I'm definitely down for. And so it's available on Switch and PC. And there's actually a demo that came out um, today um, that I put a few hours into. And so far, it's been pretty cool. I've been playing on Switch, which means the graphical fidelity is a little bit blurry. Uh, but unfortunately, I do not have a gaming PC. So um, the Switch is the only option I have. But it plays pretty smoothly um, despite everything. And so far, it does a good job of um, blending the RPG elements of a Final Fantasy with a farming sim game loop. Um, you play as an amnesiac um, that can be, again, male, female, or non-binary. 
and you're trying to solve the mystery behind a mysterious fifth season where monsters roam the lands. And so, um, so far, it it has all the trademarks of a highfalutin Final Fantasy story. It has magic. It has amnesiacs. And it has time travel. So out of the four farming sims featured, this is probably the most story-driven of the group. And I'm actually excited to see where it goes. So So I feel like... I feel like the trend I'm the trend I'm seeing Marvin is blank plus farming sim. Yeah, pretty much. How, um, how did that become the big thing? Like, <laughs> hmm. We want we want to revert back to the agricultural revolution, but ironically, that is what led to capitalism. Mm. So. I mean, we don't have time yeah. to go through the history of the farming sim. <laughs> This genre, like farming RPGs, has been a thing since like the 90s. I remember playing the original Harvest Moon on Super Nintendo, which is probably the most stripped down basic version of these games. But even then, I probably logged like a good 60 hours on my first playthrough because it was just so addicting. And there's something to be said about a game where... um, So the basic game loop of a farming RPG is each day you have a limited amount of time to budget to grow your crops, tend to your livestock, to talk to your neighbors and to build relationships and to go around collecting resources to upgrade um, your farm. And so part of the progression is as you learn the game, you start to do things more efficiently. You learn to plant in a more efficient pattern. And eventually you come up with a system to run your farm at maximum efficiency. And there's just something to be said about a game that um, gives you that endorphin hit of like checking things off your to-do list and finding ways to you know save seconds off of your, your workflow. That's big Virgo energy, Marvin. Well, you get what I'm talking about, right, Jess? Yes, yes. The little task, the little, the little, the little reward center going off when we finish our little task. That's how they get you. Yeah, but yeah, tons of great farming sims for you, farming sim fans. Um, tons of great tactics games. I didn't get into the, the tactics games that they announced, but I'm very excited about those as well. But um, yeah, I'm very looking forward to spending another couple hundred dollars on games that I'll, I'll probably not finish in the next couple months because <laughs> that's my life. Because <laughs> I have as long a problem. It brings you joy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of what brings us joy, uh, when we come back from the break, we're talking about the latest Netflix comedy special from Shen Wang, um, Sweet and Juicy. So please stick around. Hi, I'm Shen Yi Pai, host of the podcast Blue Suit. In a world full of stuff, what do we choose to hold on to? The Blue Suit is a podcast about commonplace objects and the people who transform them into something remarkable. From an inherited Chinese-English dictionary to an old caliphone playing records left behind by Japanese-Americans incarcerated during World War II, our podcast showcases modern-day artifacts of Asian America and what gets elevated to heirloom status. Find it by searching for The Blue Suit wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, We've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week we're talking about the latest Netflix comedy special, Shen Wang, Sweet and Juicy, featuring comedian Shen Wang, who has long been one of my favorite comics. Um... For those of you who've attended any Ali Wong live shows, um, you might recognize him as the opening act for those shows. He is a longtime industry veteran who's had specials on Comedy Central. Um, he's been featured on many shows, including HBO's um, Two Dope Queens, and had a brief stint actually as a writer on Fresh Off the Boat um, in season one, along with Ali Wong. Yeah, him and Ali both used to write for Fresh Off the Boat, which I probably, um, I mean, probably might have known each other through the comedy circuits, but um, I'm sure that solidified their bond. Yeah. Um, It is a one hour long special on Netflix that premiered two weeks ago. 
And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all the setup we need. It's it's a comedy special starring Shen Wang. So what do we think of Shen Wang, Sweet and Juicy? You know what? I just really needed it. <laughs> I think it's just like straightforward, uncomplicated, like really bizarre, sort of fun, but observational humor. And yeah, he's kind of sneaky. You know, you're just yes. like, oh, he's just going to talk about, you know, like whatever clothes. And then all of a sudden you're just like dying. So I just <laughs> yeah. we can like, talk we, about we, the we don't have we to like. talk about we don't have to talk about like, oh, is he like bigoted, you know, like or is like just like none of that. It's just like, oh, this is so unproblematic, but so <laughs> funny, which I think Marvin and I have had this conversation before. Like that is generally his brand of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with an element of just like wild left turn sometimes, like some of those mm-hmm. jokes, which I find very funny, it's just like, what? Like, what are we talking about now? Um, and so you can never, you think you know where it's going to go. And then it goes somewhere totally different. And you're just like, this dude is weird, but I like <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Shen Wang has a very interesting delivery of his jokes right he's very observational very like narrative he tells stories he gives observations it's not really like set up and punchline more as like here's a thought that's weird a lot of people who are discovering him for the first time um liken him to mitch hedberg who is yes. a um you know oh uh, who is yes. a, who is a really funny comedian him. that sadly passed away like a long time ago mm-hmm. but equally has like a very dry like observational sense of humor um but then uh, what I love about Shen Wang's delivery is, you know, it's it's similar in delivery, but I think um, as a fellow Chinese Taiwanese American, I can relate to a lot of what he observes as well. Yeah, we can talk about like the first thing w- that you mentioned that you really identified with, with which was like Costco. <laughs> well, he opens <laughs> like, with the Costco that's, thing. Yeah, which, that's a very strong opener. Um. You know, so he's done this bit before. I think he does. Mm-hmm. He did this bit for his opening act for Ali Wong's live mm-hmm. shows. But since the last time I saw this live, I myself have purchased pants from Costco, and they are very comfortable. Yeah, and I do like wearing them. Yeah, can we talk about that? I feel like we've both, we've all have probably been Shen Wang's fan, Shen, Shen Wang fans for quite some mm-hmm. time. I know I've been aware of him at least since last he did last Comic Standing. Um, like maybe, that was maybe like 15, 20 years ago. And uh, so I've seen a lot of these bits before uh, through the various like events we've gone to. And he opens again for Ali Wong quite a bit. And I'm just like, it's still quite funny. It, it was one of those where I felt like I immediately um, recommended it to my brothers because a lot of my humor they don't get. But this one, I was like, oh, everyone can enjoy this um, because, you know, his his concept about like, let's say like it once you buy pants from Costco, you, you've really matured because you have no other sh- sh- fucks to give. And so um, for me, it's just like he he's he's able to lean into every single aspect about Costco that you don't always think about like yes some people can joke about the parking um in ways but the way he does it is just perfect <laughs> like if, it, if it i don't if tr- i don't find parking in eight minutes like the, the tides aren't aren't good today <laughs> yeah it, it's, know, it's like he brings it to another level you know why that joke yes. hit really hard for me is just this past weekend i went to our local costco and i was waiting for this car to back up so i can like you know turn in spot yeah as the car is backing up, the car in front of me backs into that spot. <gasps> Fuck no, that's a war. <laughs> you have, you have that's an act of aggression. That's yeah. like you can start a war on that. And at and Costco, was it, was, was it a weekend? Was it a Sunday? It was a Saturday. <laughs> at, oh, that's bad too. Fuck that. No, 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 no. Oh hell no. What did you do, Marvin? I guess you don't want to incriminate yourself on <laughs> podcasts, but I just um stared at this little lady for like. <laughs> A couple seconds. She would not make eye contact with me, so I was just like, "Whatever." As a person, as a person who backs up into spaces, I have to say, once you pass it and someone's already like, you just you're done. Like that's the social code, right? That is yeah. That is the social covenant. You you missed your chance. You have to pass. You have to go and and make another round, whatever it is. And I've done that before, where I'm just like, oh well. I mean, 
whatever. It's anyway. So yes, I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I think his- that's what's really great about his humor is um, it's observational humor, but about like boring adult shit, right? Um, and you know, those of us who have been following his career throughout the last few decades, it's like we've been learning about being an adult along with him. Um, the first time I saw Shen Wang was. I want to say at least like 20, maybe more than 20 years ago. Um, it was at an Asian Week comedy showcase. Um, Asian Week is like this, um, I don't think they, they exist anymore, they, but they were like a news magazine for Asian American news. Um, and it was up in uh, the Bay Area. And so um, it was like a showcase of four comedians. And he was by far the best one because he was the only one there who did not make any jokes about his parents, his parents or being, yeah. Um, I mean, the only joke he made about Asianness is this joke about um, how he called up a hotel in like the middle America and told him his name. And the response he got was, weird, you don't sound like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, which is also, if you look at any of the comments of any of his videos on YouTube, half of them is the guy's face does not match his voice. Huh. I will say, I, I mean, Han, you're probably like, what the fuck? Like, He's from Houston. Like, there's a lot of people, but I do love the whole vibe that he has going on right now. Uh, the new, the long hair, which is glorious, by hair. the way. Um, he's taking very good care of it. Like, it looks very soft. There's like nice layers. So, like, I I respect a man who rocks long hair, but like only if it's well taken care of. Like, like you can't like have stringy, gross, like unwashed long hair. No, his looks luscious. The part is beautiful. Like, um, and like. He's always looked like a very clean cut engineer. So I feel <laughs> like the vi- the look finally matches the vibe. Um, and just like the Southern drawl and like the pacing is like just, is, you know, it's obviously just as much of his ex- execution as the actual material. And I'm just like, I'm happy for you. I, okay. So yeah, I, I have questions because I've only seen him open for Ali Wong. So I've only known about him for a few years, right? Um, since I didn't grow up here uh, in this state or whatever. Um, so I'm just curious, A, have you seen any sort of evolution in his humor? Because while I was watching this special, he makes it look effortless, but I was just like, you can tell that he really worked on these jokes, you know, and that they've probably changed over time. So I'm just curious if like he's maintained the same style um, or if he's just, you know, I don't know, or if anything else has changed um, besides his looks. And we'll talk about his looks in just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his delivery is just as sharp as he was 20 years ago. He was always mm-hmm. on. And, you know, as a mm-hmm. fan, I was always waiting for him to get his moment, yes. uh, which is why it's really great. Because before this, he's had Comedy Central specials. I mean, he's on like gigs, I think progressively larger gigs. Um, he's just, as a comedian, he's so different than a lot of what's popular in the mainstream, mm-hmm. like the high energy, nonstop talking, oh the God. yelling, <laughs> um, you know, the over, it's just, it's, you know, I think we're all kind of oversaturated, but those are the, those are the ones that get like the big comedy deals right? in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like Shane Wang was always so hard to conceptualize for people. Um, and that used to be yeah. part of his act, right? He used to talk about mm-hmm. like being from Texas and, mm-hmm. um, and there are some really great bits I've heard him do over the years that didn't make it into the special, which I'm kind of sad about. Like the avocado bit. Love that one, Marvin. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, there's a great bit about him uh, dating a girl that his friends thinks is just okay. I don't know if you've heard that one before, but that's a great one. <laughs> oh my one. God. I've heard him, uh, you know, and I love the fact that, you know, the title of his special is Sweet and Juicy. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because we were in a majority Asian American audience when we heard that joke, Marvin, but like that always <laughs> hits. Um, and I feel like he, he, it used to go on a bit longer. Um, he used to have a whole thing about like, you know, putting the height and the picking fruit and he used to like act it out a little bit more, which maybe that's a little too niche for like a Netflix audience, <laughs> but I yeah. love that. Yeah. But if this was your first time seeing Shen Wang, definitely he has a long catalog of specials that you can see. A lot of them are on YouTube now, too, and clips of his live shows as well. And you can kind of see the evolution of a lot of jokes he used. Yes. And as I think Marvin mentioned, he is from Houston and he said he went to the same um, middle school as Beyonce. That's Uh, pretty cool. And I also did an age check. They are only mm -hmm. a year apart. So definitely would have gone at the same time. That's amazing. 
So I, I have to double check because I know she went to, I think, my high school or at least the one next door to it because um, we have two high schools next door to each other in that district. Um, but so Marvin and I talked a little bit about this last week, but Mo Ammer, the uh, comic from also from Houston and from my school district, A Leaf, um, also went to some of these schools. And so I'm like, did they go to the same school? But but actually, uh, uh, Sheng Wang is a little bit older than Mo. <laughs> um, but I just think it's so interesting that all of a sudden, like, where are all these people from Houston coming out here? Um <laughs> which I think is really cool. I, I dropped a picture in in Slack for you to basically my thing about Sheng Wang's pandemic hair is he reminds me a lot of my brother. So oh, when no. I was when I was watching the special, I was freaking out because everything is like my brother's face, but then with a different voice. And it was just really eerie to me because I've seen Sheng Wang without this hair you know, on stage. So it was kind of fine. But here I'm just like, I was just weirded out the whole time. And so after a while, I just stopped looking at the screen. Um, and it's not like they're exact, but it's close enough. Like, uh, so my brother for a while there, pre-pandemic, I'm not sure why, started growing his hair. Um, the only main difference is because he's older, he had a lot of silver in it. Um, but yeah, so for a while, and I don't know if he he's cut his hair or not, but like, uh, his his son and his wife really liked the long hair, so my brother just kept long hair for a while. It was it was kind of weird, um, but yeah. Uh, but my brother and I have the same hair, so long flowing thick hair <laughs> <laughs> runs in the family. So I was looking beauteous, beauteous. Yes, yeah, I was looking at Shang Wang's hair also, and I was like, yeah, you you could be like related to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Shang Wang needs to update his joke because now there are four people from that part of Houston that have made it. It's Beyonce. Shen Wang, Han Wen, and Mo Hammer. Wow. Uh, Lizzo. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh. You can turn, you can like leave me off and just insert Lizzo. We're like <laughs> the same person, right? Um. Well, like how Han shares the Houston connection with Shang. Um, Jess, you also share a cow connection with Shang as well because he's <laughs> yes, also cow bear. bears. <laughs> um, you know, much cooler than any of my friends i feel like because ali did the uc it was a was a ucla grad and um yeah i did know shane went to berkeley so i'm like how come none of my friends became like super famous actually (laughs) actually that's a lie one of my college friends is doing pretty well i hope she gets a netflix special soon irene too check her out she's great Mm. um but so maybe i shouldn't say i don't have any fun friends but um yeah well until irene gets her special i'm gonna say i don't have any fun friends um so get to it people go bears (laughs) but we have a good we have a good track record marvin like we have chris pine and who's Mm. been having a great week Mm. um fucking gregory peck john cho um yeah i mean come on hot like smart people who are good at acting yeah like (laughs) yes and um you know yeah, I'm sure we have other people, but we all have, still have like Aaron Rodgers. Oh, so I guess that balances it out. No, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, can't have, can't have it all. There's always going to be a few <laughs> that that mess. There up. was a great tweet when they were like, "I'm thank God for Aaron Rodgers because I know I'll, I'm not the dumbest person who has ever graduated from Berkeley." Like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like when we were talking about like bad bad Vietnamese people. I'm just like I will never be as bad as Tila Tequila. Uh, mm-hmm. so. Not with that attitude, Han. <laughs> you got to strive. I think UCSD we have it's the Wang Fu guys, mm. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince, James Avery, oh. and I think Benicio del Toro went to UCSD. Oh, that's not bad. That's... I don't think he finished though. Oh. oh well, why doesn't he finish? She's Benicio <laughs> del Toro. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think it's been really cool to see his career um, go from you know seeing him at that small show and like now doing probably his biggest profile special. I'm sure a lot of people are being exposed to him for the first time and his brand of humor too. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think you know the, the closest analog is probably Ali Wong because she was. She's the biggest Asian American Netflix mm-hmm. special star, but you know her comedy is very like confrontational, right? It's a lot of like, yes. kind of, like 
Yeah. She's trying to shock Very him. raunchy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really trying to like upend the status <laughs> quo about like feminism and, mm-hmm. you know, Asian-ness. work and Asian femininity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Shang is just talking about. He's just life. Well, it's just life. Like. <laughs> going to Costco or like picking fruit or um my favorite I mean, <laughs> was just using the printer at work and I don't want to oh spoil God, any of it. So it was so good. Yes. It was so good. Because um, it's something we all do, right? And I think oh yeah. yeah, his style I, is work from home has been tough, guys. Work from home has been <laughs> tough. Yeah. yeah. He he's able to zero in on things that you've forgotten that you've done. And so until he says it, and then you're like, holy fuck, yes, yes, I do that too. Um, yeah. And he puts voice to it in a way that, like, elevates it in a weird way. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it's very similar to, like, you know, what we do in the shadows. Like, it's very yeah. something very dumb, but, like, from a very obviously smart person, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so the details he chooses to emphasize or the way he tries to construct the joke is a little, it's it's very relatable, but very unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, his style is also very, even though it's much more low key, he's, his jokes are also pretty subversive, right? He talks about yes. stuff like healthcare and mm-hmm. racism and privilege, but all couched in like it's, these mundane very, observations of real life, right? Yeah. It's in a very gentle kind of, when I was saying like he's sort of like stealth, um, I think that's what it is because no one would call him like super confrontational or or subversive even. Even though maybe if you listen to him, you're like, oh, wait. Um, so that's what I really enjoyed. And I have to say, I'm very glad he's not very shouty. Um, as much as I like the show, Mo, his stand-up was actually kind of giving me anxiety because he shouts a lot um, for his stand-up specials. So I realized that's something I don't love. <laughs> um, not just in comedy, but even in TV shows. So I'm not very good like with... RuPaul's Drag Race because there's a lot of shouting. Um, It just, I don't know, it gives me anxiety. So uh, yeah, I I, I appreciate this. And I think this is one that, um, yes, I can probably give my mom to watch. (laughs) Oh, do they have subtitles for this? I haven't checked. Yeah, I I would think, I think my mom would like this as well. Uh, Or maybe not. I don't know. Let me, (laughs) uh, let me confirm that for you. Yeah. So, yeah, you should check that out. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm hoping. I mean, he hasn't really taken the world by storm with this special, but I'm hoping it still like gives him enough cred to move on because now he's part of the Netflix family. So I would like to say, what do, would you want to see him do um, with Netflix? Because you, once you're part of the family, they just keep using you. Just, yeah. just want to confirm real quick that there are Chinese subtitles. Sweet. <gasps> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So smart. Well, I I have I've talked to Shang a little bit, and he mm-hmm. is very like staunchly just wants to stand up. He doesn't okay. necessarily want to do like the acting or the mm-hmm. movie route, um, which is kind of cool, right? That's just very mm-hmm. like you know I'm I I like I want to do this like because that's a lot of money you're turning down. Um, yeah, and I hope Netflix paid him well so he could pay off some of that two million dollar mortgage. <laughs> um, uh but yeah it's it's interesting because i don't know what stand-up comedians do now <laughs> besides like like can you make a career just being stand-up comedian like i feel like you'd be a great podcaster right that that kind of works in the same family i agree um and i guess whenever they do the netflix is a joke um showcases he can yeah he he can do those um also he can appear on tv shows or movies as a stand-up comedian (laughs) like on stage so you know there's still that um i think there's ways to do it i because i was just like you can't turn it all down like yeah you don't have to act because make the money (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can I can respect if he's someone who's like, yeah, I don't want to act like if that's not his thing. Sure. But maybe there's other ways like he may he can do more writing if that's his thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, curious. I'm not sure how the first of the boats didn't ended up. But, you know, I think maybe that was I, I want to say that was the office job that he was talking about mm. um, in his bit, which was, was when that's he was funny. on the, on staff for that show. 
Um, just like how I'm pretty sure his goddaughters yes. are Ali Wong's kids. Are Ali Wong's yes. kids telling <laughs> him his elbows that, are crusty. <laughs> yeah. When he said that, I was like, is your friend Ali Wong that, <laughs> that he was referring to? Yeah. There are a few times where I was like, I think this is code. <laughs> Thinly veiled code. Yeah, but um, this special was actually also directed by Ali Wong, which I, I'm not sure exactly what goes into directing a comedy special. Is it like directing, like directing an award show or just planning the shots, or is it directing like how just nice direct like stage shows, like things on stage where you're coordinating where things are? Like I'm not exactly sure what the deal is there. I don't know exactly either. Uh, like I'm sure it's important. I'm not like you know dissing the work there of all the directors of comedy specials but like i'm also sure it's a marketing ploy by netflix to <laughs> put the ali wong name onto a rather unknown comedian um and props to ali for like like my gut is saying that she probably flexed her netflix power a little bit to like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. leverage uh something for him not that he's not deserving but you know um it is a bit out of I don't know if it's out of character for Netflix. They have so many specials. Um, but, you know, the ones we usually see are like the, like they give, they've given like Eliza Scherzinger. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. They like, like, which who I love too, but like, yeah, she has like four specials. You know, they, they like to go back to people and like give them another special. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm so. hoping this opens the door. For the jokes that you say that he should have done, and maybe that will be in the next special. Yeah, the second one. He got a lot of material. I I think. I think when um, when, when you were asking about what he where he goes from here, I think that's probably where I want to see him go. It's just more specials on like these platforms because, as much as he's like a industry veteran in the stand up world, he's still a relative unknown, and you know, in the corporate world, that is a risk which corporations hate. I guess yeah. I hope this gives them a reason to bring them back for for more stuff. Um, and by the way, if we're talking about directing these comedy specials, I think both of those things that you mentioned, Marvin, um, make sense as far as like uh, camera placement, but also like stagecraft and things like that. And every now and then this not this special, but we have seen. Um, comedy specials that have actually like scripted stuff at the beginning to open it, like where they do either a skit or they show someone like running to the door from a plane or whatever, stuff like that and some extra bits. But um, I would assume also like just when they decide to like cut things and like cut to the audience and, you know, that type of stuff. So yeah, maybe this is a soft directing uh, gig for Ali Wong, but I think it is, uh, as Jess was saying, a very good ploy um, because they both are executive um, producers on this and they could have just said produced by Ali Wong, but that's not as fun as saying directed. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah. like, can you name another director of any other comedy special? Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought Nanachka Khan did Ali Wong. So maybe that's what they were doing is just, uh, continuing that sort of run of the fresh off the boat people doing, uh, right by each other. (laughs) Well, I hope, I hope he makes enough money so that he's rich enough to order a la carte off the Popeye's menu. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That joke, that joke hit me as like, yes. A frugal Chinese boy who grew up yeah, like, I don't care middle class. How much, I don't care how much money I have. You're not going to try to efficiently, like, optimize the menu. Like, that, that's fucking insane. I mean, have you know, we rich all... people live very differently than we do. Yeah. Have we all done this where we look at the the meal deal prices and compare it to a la carte to see if you're actually saving anything? Because I definitely have done that. And well, then, I've broken it down. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. 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 Like, because okay. also I don't like things like coleslaw. So I think about that. Like <laughs> I I get the value of coleslaw, but if not, I'm not going to eat it. Then, you know, that's a waste. So, yeah, I, I, I do that sort of like, um, especially when it comes to like sushi. Um, if, <laughs> if, if like, But I don't really like the egg sushi. So is it better to get that deal or not? Um, but yeah, so. See, these are things you think about when at any point in your life you've had to live like paycheck to paycheck from your parents or or your own allowance. I just like to maximize things in general. I don't like waste. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, to me, it's like winning. Like, 
-hmm. I need to win. And winning (laughs) means getting the best deal for my buck, you know? So I mean that's how you that's how we fight capitalism, right? You're gonna (laughs) give us free money, well we'll take you for all you're worth, you know? That's how it works, yes. All right, so um, as we come up to the end of our discussion, gotta ask, is Shen Wang sweet and juicy good pop? Yes, it's, as Han mentioned, said before, it's gentle, it's funny, um, it's, what more do you need from a comedy special? <laughs> like, yeah, do it, watch it. It's one hour of your life. Yeah, I, I was just... Honestly, just so pleased with having this little break from my life. Um, you can here's the other thing. You can just listen to it also. That's yeah. kind of the other bonus is like he's it it's just an audio thing where you can like take I, a look at him at the beginning and then listen to it while you're doing chores. It's really Han, Han might be biased because all she can see is her brother. But I <laughs> yes. will say if you can watch it. Watch it because he has very good facial expressions. He's, he's he's good with his his gestures, his timing, and everything like that. And all those things are actually really important to comedians. So yes, you can visually watch it too if you want to. Um, I would say yes, it's good pop. It is both sweet and juicy. Um, and I don't know. I I since I ran straight to my brothers and was like, watch this. I think it kind of tells you. Um, it's good for the whole family, except for maybe kids under a certain age. <laughs> Well, none of his jokes are particularly like they're not racy, raunchy. but they but kids might not get Costco. <laughs> That's <know>? true. Um, <laughs> you gotta be at the a... like buying pants at Costco stage of your <laughs> yes. life to fully which I'm not gonna lie. I I almost did it this last weekend. I held off, I've, but like the fact that I was even like considering it, like I recognize that's like a milestone in my life. They were I've selling these so very comfy sweatpants. I think they were from Puma. I can nice. I can only buy pants that are cropped at Costco because I am <laughs> short, but mm-hmm. I have definitely bought many things from Costco, including athletic yeah. socks. Very good. Mm. Oh, they're the best. Yes, yeah. I um I also think this is a good pop. Um, Shen Wang, um, going off of Han's note, has a very I won't say soothing voice, but a very good voice for comedy. It's kind of deep. Has like you can hear the slight like Houston drawl, but also the Asian American, there's like an Asian American lisp, I want to say that like he definitely has as well. There's something there. I, I agree. <laughs> and if you want to hear more of his voice, he actually has a comedy album called <gasps> Cornucopias are actually, um, was it terrible? Cornucopias containers are actually fruit. horrible containers. <laughs> yes. Um, it, that is available to stream on Spotify right now. Oh, stream. Um, so okay. Definitely go listen to it. Give them like, you know, I think it's like, a penny for every stream. I will. Um, I will do that. That sounds good. <laughs> like, well, look. If if I have time off and I'm going to be cleaning my house, then I'm going to do that. Listen to his yeah. mellow voice. He has some great bits that that didn't make to a special. Um, my favorite being the one where he's eating tuna in an airport in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need more. That's it. I don't even. <laughs> I I don't even know this bit, and it's already funny. <laughs> It's great. Um, okay. Wang, Sweet and Juicy is playing now on Netflix. Definitely check it out. Um, we need as many, uh, just like last week's fakes, we need as many eyeballs on this special as possible so we can get more uh, because we definitely need more of Shang Wang in our lives. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Uh, my trash takes are on Twitter at JustJudeTweets. And I am at Anonymous. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. All right. So next week, we're going to check out the pilot episode of the new Quantum Leap starring one Raymond Lee. I'm excited to um, see how this goes. It's always a little tenuous when it comes to remakes of beloved 80s 90s properties um especially so when you add in rep sweats because this one involves <laughs> a asian american male lead on a network drama so but it is genre um, so yeah it could be good yeah that's true fingers crossed and so yeah so we'll be checking that out next week but until then thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time bye everybody bye, bye.
gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.